My name is Jude. I'm a middle school student with a microphone and an internet connection. And this is my show. Today I grabbed the mic with a kung fu grip so it don't slip. I'm spending time with rapper, producer, and activist, and my guest, Def Jeff. Hey, hey, what's up? What a good intro. That's a lyric of mine from <laughs> back in the days. Yes, I know. Yes. All right. Well, what's going on? Jeff, thanks for being here. How are you? I am super good, and thanks for having me. I couldn't wait to do it, Jude, and I'm so happy to be here. Well, cool. You want to just dig right in? Yeah, let's dig in. Jeff, I know your work. You're awesome. For those who may not know, my classmates, parents, or listeners, who, who are you? What do you do? What defines you? Okay, so my occupation is uh, I'm a hip-hop artist. I'm a rapper. I'm a music producer. Yeah, I'm a creator. I'm pretty much a creator. Anything having to do with music is my forte. And then I create content for social media and I edit and I, you know, I do many things. But my first and foremost, my first love is being a rapper or an MC, as we used to say back in the days, and a music producer. I create the songs. I'm a songwriter. I create music. I create lyrics. I create melody. I'm really, really a music guy at heart. And I'm a DJ. Oh, really? What do you think is your best song? Like, I'm- That's a tough one, Jude. That is a tough one. I think my best song I haven't written yet. Um, ah. Yeah, because a lot of the music that I listen to, I listen to it. And when I do, it's almost like looking at baby pictures. I'm proud of all my music and I'm so happy. But I just think that I keep learning and growing. And, you know, I write freestyles all the time. And I think that I am a much better artist. I have a much better vocabulary now and I have more to talk about and more life experiences. And, you know, I just feel like I get better every day. All right. What are you most proud of? Besides my son and my grandson, I would say I'm most proud of my ability to never stop learning and never stop growing and my ability to listen more than I talk. Right. And I talk a lot. But we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? So I really, um, I pride myself in being able to listen and not being closed-minded, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How old's your grandson? My grandson is seven. Oh, he's a young one. Yes, he's a young one. You grew up in Harlem. What was that like? Growing up in Harlem was like growing up in a very fun, loving community. No, it really was. Like when people think of Harlem in the 70s, it was really like rough. If you ever look at pictures on the internet and you look at Harlem, it was a rough environment. But as a kid, it didn't feel as rough. You know, like when I look back at Harlem now, there were like burnt out buildings and and just madness everywhere. But as a kid, I just thought this is what life was. Life was pretty good as a kid. You know, I played New York City street games. I love watching cartoons and I love playing with my friends. And another thing about growing up in Harlem and being a young kid is that I traveled alone a lot. Right. So when I'm 10 years old, I'm traveling all over the city. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because we had the freedom. See, Jude, it was a different time. We had the freedom to, like, get on the subway and go, you know, go 10 stops away or 20 stops away. So being that young and dealing with strangers, I think gave me some sort of an edge 
as a young kid growing into an adult. Hmm. That's pretty interesting, actually. Yes, yes. Can you share a funny Harlem story? Like some a funny Harlem story. Okay, so I have a sister. She's one year older than me. We had this rule that our mother said, if you ever get separated, get off at the next stop. So for instance, if something happened where you got separated from each other, if my sister and I got separated, the person who stayed on the train was to get off at the next stop. So do not get on a new train until your sibling catches up with you. And I remember before the doors closing, jumping in and out of the door, just horse playing and being silly and the door closed on me. I was terrified that the door closed. And as I looked at my sister oh my and, kind of, and the train took off and we were looking at each other with this worried look, she did not wait at the next stop. She went home without waiting for me. And when I went home, I got in trouble. I got my ass beat. Jeffy, I'm going to give you a spanking. You wouldn't. Then do it. Got that. So funny now, but back then it wasn't funny. But when you said, tell me a funny Harlem story, that's the first story that came to mind. I feel like I can do that with the doors for like hours. There you go. There you go. So what's the first rap song you've ever heard? I remember hearing a song called We Rap More Mellow, right? And And it's a huge controversy behind this because the first recorded rap song was Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. I said a hip hop, the hibbit, the hibbit, hibbit, hip, hip, hop, and you don't stop. This was in 1979. So this is like years and years and years before you, right? So that was the first rap song recorded. But in New York, hip hop was a music, was a genre of music that we listened to before it was ever recorded on vinyl, which Again, vinyl is, I know your dad is cultured, so I know you've seen vinyl before. Back then, we would listen to music on cassette tapes. Somebody would go to a party and take their cassette tape to the party and press play and record. And whoever's on stage rapping, you know, they would bring that, they would record it and bring it back to the neighborhood. So we were listening to hip hop music before it was actually recorded. And I remember hearing a song by a rap group called The New Generation, I believe. And it was called We Rap More Mellow, right? And one of the rappers, his name was Melly Mel. And he went on to have huge success. Go ahead. What was your favorite band or artist when you were a kid, like my age? It's tough to say favorite. What happened was we grew up in a household with lots of music, right? Music was a part of our everyday lives. And my mother had a record collection and I used to go through it and play songs. So I liked everybody from Gladys Knight and the Pips. I remember there was a song called... Use My Imagination by Gladys Knight and the Pips. Um, And this was like in the 70s. And that was one of my favorite songs. But then I liked the Jackson 5, Michael Jackson. James Brown. You know, Luther Vandross. Uh, So many artists I grew up really liking. And but when hip hop came out, it kind of changed the game for me. And I'll tell you why. Because all the songs that I liked, I would try and imitate the dances and sing. And and I wasn't the greatest singer. But when hip hop came out and I heard rapping. It seemed like something I could do. 
And I was pretty good upon my first try. And it resonated with me, not only because I felt like I could do it. I felt like the people that were making it were closer to who I was and more attainable. And what I mean is when I saw Michael Jackson on TV, he seemed like a huge, huge star. And he wore glittery clothes. Because he was. Right, right. He was. He was. And he wore glittery clothes. And, you know, is that attainable for a kid in Harlem? But when I saw guys rapping, they dressed like me. They looked like me. They used the same slang that I used. And then they actually became bigger stars to me because I related to them. That's nice. Yeah. Give me the journey from Harlem to your first record deal in L.A. And don't leave out any of the details because I'm 12. (laughs) Okay, I won't. Stop me if something's not clear. All right. I just grew up in Harlem and... I actually didn't make it to high school, right? So, but you know, I I didn't have like learning issues or anything. I just was a truant. I just didn't like going to school. Oh, I just would go and play video games and hang out with my friends and just do all types of madness. Because in New York, I had a lot of freedom as a kid. My mom, I would do that too if I was in your position. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So by the time I was sixteen years old, I actually had a full time job that was actually teaching me life experiences. And I never got my GED because once I started working, I figured, why would I need a GED? I'm going to be a music guy anyway. I'm going to be a rapper. I'm going to be famous. I always had that in the back of my mind. So I took that journey and then I met a few friends along the way and we said, hey, let's go to California. I'd never been to California. And I said, let's do it. So I quit my job and I went to California. How did that work out? Uh, two or three years later, I got a record deal with a label called Delicious Vinyl. You know, just kind of meeting people in California, I ended up getting a record deal at Delicious Vinyl. Now, Ice-T, Ice-T was a really famous rapper and still is. And he gave me my first shot in the music business, so to oh, speak. you met him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I nice. met him. Yeah. And he was a mentor and he gave me my first contract. And I was so young and immature So when Ice-T wanted to sign me, there were like 11 other artists under his umbrella. And when I met Delicious Vinyl, there were only two artists under that label. And I just felt I would get more of a look over there. And I again, I'm indebted to Ice-T because I actually never went back and told him after he's given me a contract. I just went and signed with Delicious Vinyl. But in hindsight, really immature, really young, didn't understand the music business. And I signed with Delicious Vinyl. Mike Ross and Matt Dyke signed me and I started working on my album in a nutshell. Do you think anything would be different if you signed with Ice-T? Good question. It's a really good question, Jude. I don't know. Yep. Who knows? Well, what's a DJ? Good question. All right. Now, a DJ, the actual acronym is a disc jockey. Because back in the days we had vinyl and they call them vinyl discs. So you would jockey the discs back and forth. You would DJ, you would play one piece of vinyl, you would talk and you'd play another piece of vinyl. You know, a DJ is one that plays music for people's enjoyment in different environments. You can DJ at a party, you could DJ at a festival, you could DJ at an arena. It's just a person who plays music. Define breakbeat. A breakbeat is a section of a song that breaks down to its most minimal uh, component, the drums, right? So you'll have a song, you'll have instrumentation, horns, piano, strings, 
gets to us, it either starts with the break section of the song, they call it the break section. It's the section where everything drops out except the drums, or maybe a small guitar part, or it's the it's the it's the most minimal part of the song, the drums. So you have a song, you have all these instruments, and then it and those instruments drop out and they let the they kind of give the drums uh they isolate the drums pretty right. much. Because what you would want to do is when the song had a breakdown, a breakbeat section, you would want to get two of the same song so we can simultaneously on beat keep the break part going so the rapper could rap. Oh, well, um, okay, we're going to play a little game. Cool? Cool. Let's do it. I'm going to play you a few old school beats and you tell me the artist and one place it was used. Okay. All right. Let's see. Uh, Don't make me look bad, Jude. I won't. I'll try. All right. Cool. Thanks. There we go. Oh, I got it. Hey, 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 hey. Okay. So that song is called Ashley's Roach Clip. Yep, correct. And do not ask what a roach clip is, okay? I prefer not to, I'm guessing. Thank you. So it's called Ashley's Roach Clip, and it's written by and performed by Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers. And that breakbeat was used on many different rap songs. Um, Eric B. and Rakim, Paid in Full, was one one record, which is like a, a an amazingly uh, important album for hip hop. Um, and LL Cool J used it for a song called Jack the Ripper. Those are the two songs that come to mind. Many others have used it, but those are the two that come to mind. How did I do? You did really good, actually. All right, all right. You ready for the next one? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. Okay, so now I have a, a, a longer answer for that one. Holy. That song is called Apache. Correct. And it is recorded by the incredible Bongo Band. Right. Now, Jude, this is amazing, right? So I'll tell you the people that use that song in a second. But there is a documentary on Netflix right now called Sample This. And they document how that song was made Um, because that song was used by so many hip hop artists. That song was sampled by so many artists. It was replayed by bands. It was sampled you know, it was DJed into songs. It was mixed into songs um, from MC Hammer to Nas, Amy Winehouse. I mean, there are far too many people to mention, but one of the most well-known uses of that song, the part that you just played is the break section, right? So you notice how the drums were playing and then the horns and the, everything else came in. We would DJ and keep the break section going back and forth and we didn't really we tried not to let the rest of the music come in but if you let the record play two or three or four minutes into it they go into a riff that the fresh prince of bel-air and carlton would do a dance from it was called the Carlton. no not the carlton dance it was dun 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 do you remember that I think so, yeah. Okay. You, if you go back and watch some of the old episodes, that song has different sections that have been used in different 
other compositions. And one of the famous ones, it's a funny dance. They do a funny dance uh, to a section of that song in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. No, but the version, so let me let me add one more thing. Okay. So the first rap song, it was by the Sugar Hill Gang. The Sugar Hill Gang actually made a song called Apache where they replayed that music. And that's the version that Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Carlton would dance to. So I that's a lot, right? Do think I remember the dun, 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 dun. 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 Well, Yep. You ready for the next one? Super ready. Last one? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's one of my favorite breakbeats. So you notice, Jude, again, really good selection, man. So you notice how the drums play and then music plays. The idea when we were growing up was to keep the drums playing. Cue up one turntable while the drums were playing and then bring in the other turntable on beat. Boom. And keep it going. That song is called Substitution. And it is by, you might stump me on who it's by. The name of the song is Synthetic Substitution, right? Yeah. You may have stumped me on the, on the recording. I can tell you who it's by and someone who used it. Give me give me a hint. Um, give me a hint on who it's by. Can you give me a good hint? A nickname for the first name can be Mel. Melvin Bliss. Yes. Yes. There you go. It w- Thank you. Man, my, my memories. So many people have used this record. <laughs> I used it in a song called Black to the Future. What song did um, RZA use it on? Uh, what did RZA use substitution on? I think you may have. You, I think you may have me on that. Yes, we got him. Yes. Okay. When you say it, I'm going to be mad that I didn't she, immediately think of it. She used it on Bring the Ruckus. Oh, my goodness. Of course he did. Of course he did. Okay, you got me on that one. My memory is gone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, define transforming. Is there a song that's a great example of it? Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, uh, I think it was created by not Jazzy Jeff, Cash Money. I think a DJ named Cash Money from Philadelphia actually created it. I believe so. DJ Cash Money Money. And Jazzy Jeff was the first person that I actually ever saw do it live. You can follow Jazzy Jeff on Instagram. He's one of the best DJs that America and the world has ever produced. He's one of the most precise DJs. His knowledge of music is unmatched. And he was uh, the Fresh Prince's DJ. He was Will Smith's DJ. They had a group, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So it's almost like cutting the volume of a song on and off as you manipulate the record. To make it sound almost like a transformer robot in a way. But you manipulate a song from moving the record and cutting the volume on and off rapidly to make it almost sound like a uh, a transformer transforming into a, a machine. Understood. You know? Yeah. Well, um, what's scratching other than something you see a doctor for after a tour? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, that's hilarious. Um, scratching is, uh, it's similar to transforming, but it's manipulating a record while simultaneously cutting it on and off. So there are all these variations of 
scratching and transforming. And people who do it really well are called turntablists. Oh, they have a name. Yes, they have a name. It's a skill. It's a it's a serious skill. And there's some amazing turntablers out there. Who's the best scratcher that you know of? The best scratcher is hard to say because there are so many different styles. There are many amazing scratchers. Um, Q-Bird is one that comes to mind. One of um, the world's greatest and most innovative DJs in the world, DJ Jazzy Jeff, obviously. Melstar, DJ Melstar. If you ever looked him up uh, online, he's mind blowing. Melstar, you ready, bro? It's good, man. That's what you do. This is what I do, man. Okay. We here. Still talking. Oh, this is oh, this is the skate rink. Yo, that Chuck King, If you didn't hold on to your jewelry. Rich had to play on 45. Stacks records. I mean, there's so many to name because so many people are really good now. You know, technology is such that you can get a controller for much cheaper or way less expensive than turntables may cost back in the day. So there are a lot of DJs now and people are really good, Jude. Like, People learn on YouTube and they just buy a controller and they just get really good. I, I would actually like to see that. I might look that up after this. Yeah. Well, human beatbox, who's the best and like, where did it all start? I never heard human beatboxing until I heard Dougie Fresh. Check this out. Three reasons, four reasons I can never be mad. One, me never. Too damn clever. Three, cats couldn't even do this any better. Four, ever better get this long-term cheddar? Always been fresh, but just got a little fresher. Type to bring the heat in the middle of December. I drop hits that your parents can remember. Say box beat. Box beat. Box. When I say hip, y'all say hop. Hip. Hop. Hip. Hop. When I say don't, y'all say stop. Don't. Stop. Don't. Stop. As we go, a little something like this. Hit it. There was also a group called the Fat Boys in the 80s, and they had a human beatbox. And their styles were different, but it's actually making percussive noises with your mouth. Um, there are so many, and if you look it up now, you'll see the most amazing beatboxes you've ever seen. But Dougie Fresh, to me, is the originator of the human beatbox. Dougie Fresh. Doug E. Fresh. 
give me two artists who changed their up game. Uh, one artist would be Eric B and Rakim was a rap group that after they came out, everyone followed suit. Everyone tried to make music like they made. Lots of people tried to sound like Rakim. He had a very smooth style. He was a multi-syllabic rapper, meaning he didn't just rhyme with solo syllables. He used multi-syllables to rhyme. The saga begins. My eyes is the photography lens. Properly push pens and show quality gems. And his voice was smooth. And that's the group that I said sampled Ashley's Roach Clip. They changed a lot for many years to come. If it wasn't for Eric B and Rakim, they wouldn't be a Lil Wayne. There wouldn't be a Jay-Z. A lot of guys uh, were influenced by them. And before them early on, for me, it's hard to just name two. So I'm just kind of give you a cluster. For me, it was Melly Mel, one of the most amazing voices. And we're talking again, there was another uh, rapper, Grandmaster Kaz, C-A-Z. He's responsible for writing lyrics on the song Rapper's Delight, uh, the first rap song that most people recognize as the first rap song. And then one of my favorites and one of the reasons that I think um, I really got serious about rapping was Kool Moe D. Because Kool Moe D preceded Rakim. Well, what makes a great lyricist? I think what makes a great lyricist is your ability to tell a story and keep the listener engaged. As long as your ability to tell that story through rhyme keeps a listener engaged. And a major part of that is being a multisyllabic rapper, rhyming multisyllables and phrases as opposed to rhyming cat, sat, bat, rat, you know? All right, another quick game. Okay. I'm going to read you some lyrics and you tell me what they mean, okay? Okay, cool. Let's do it. Jay-Z wrote, we used to fight for building blocks. Now we fight for blocks with buildings that make a killing. Okay, so that means... What's he saying? I believe, this is how I interpret it, when you're a kid, you play with building blocks, right? Like the little blocks with the letters, they're colored. So when you're a kid, mm-hmm. and when, he, when he became a young adult, he was in the streets doing illegal stuff which required that you control a block on your street right so building blocks and then blocks on the building what what does it mean to climb the ladder to success escalator style that's b oh yeah so that to me means you're still going up but you don't have to actually walk the steps you work smarter and not harder That's what that means to me. I don't know what he means by it. And I know the song, but to me, it means you're still having upward mobility, but you don't, but you're using technology and all of the resources to work smarter and not harder. Okay. Well, last one. Real G's move in silence like lasagna. Yeah. (laughs) Who knew Lil Wayne was Italian? What does that mean? (laughs) So Lil Wayne's not Italian. But to me, that means, okay, so... KRS-One, who's another rapper, um, he had a he had a lyric that says real bad boys move in silence. So when Lil Wayne quoted that lyric, it's an homage to KRS-One and move in silence means when you do something bad, you don't broadcast it to the world. You won't get caught. Uh, KRS-One said real bad boys move in silence. Lil Wayne says real G's real gangsters move in silence like lasagna because the G 
and lasagna beside The letter G in the word lasagna is silent. So real G's, ah, gangsters move in silence like lasagna, which is a G. Uh, um, Super clever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me like the craziest thing you've ever saw a fan or artist do on the road? I'm 12. I probably heard it all. I remember one guy. I don't want to name who it is. Everywhere we went on tour, if whatever hotel we were in, he would remove the artwork off the wall and write his name in magic marker behind the wall and put the picture back up on the wall. Every place that we went, he did that. So I guess when they changed the room or changed the art or whatever, his name would be on the wall. I was here. You know how you just kind of write something? Jeff was here. Jude was here. So he wrote his name behind all of the artwork in every hotel room we ever stayed at and put the picture back up. He had a magic marker in his pocket the whole time. He always had a magic marker handy. It's funny. It's actually property destruction that I did not think of at the time. And it was mischievous fun with, you know, 17 and 19 year olds, you know? What is white privilege? White privilege is the fact that you being white will have nothing to do with how hard you have it in life. That's how I see it. Well, I'm going to give you um, a hip hop joke. If Donald Trump had a rap record, what would it be called? If Donald Trump had a rap record, what would it be called? I don't know. Orange is the New Black. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Okay. Well, Jeff, it's been great. Um, What rhymes with novel coronavirus? Novel coronavirus? I'm at home in silence. I'm at home in silence, so I don't catch the coronavirus. Hey. Hey. Well, um, what rhymes with schools out what you leave? Okay, let's move out. You fools leave me, because school's out with Jude Levy. Um, <laughs> give me your rhyme for Jeff. Thanks for being here. Jude, you are a very good interviewer, and thanks for being clear. <laughs> and this is Jeff, and I'm out, and thanks for being here. Oh, Jeff. Where can people hear your music or follow you on social media? You can follow me on social media uh, at Jeff Word. So the at sign, J-E-F-W-O-R-D. You can catch me on Twitter at OG Def Jeff. One F in Def and one F in Jeff. And my music is on Spotify, um, Def Jeff. And I have uh, a Pandora station called Def Jeff. Uh, last question you had a show how would you end it um good night cleveland was anything that i was saying jude did it did it was it interesting to you all of it was interesting like actually i genuinely wanted to hear what you had to say really and so some of those references are really oh you know a lot of that stuff was before you were born you know yeah. And so I was just wondering, how did it resonate with you telling some of those older stories? Hmm. You like it. I love it. I'm happy to get to talk to you because I've been hearing about you my whole life. Okay, cool. I love that, man. Yeah, me and your dad are really super good friends. I love him like a brother. I really do. And at some point, I would like to meet you in real life. I cannot wait to meet you, Jude. It'll be my pleasure. I can't wait. All right? Same here. Okay, man. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you.